That was aggressive. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, it's the last big house of 2019. I, uh, I tried to tell a boomer friend of mine this week that it was the last... <laughs> yeah, okay, boomer. Uh, it was the last church service of the decade for kids ministry last week, and he was like, well, technically, the decade doesn't start until 2021. And apparently this is true if you go by the Farmer's Almanac. So he pooped on that party for me, and now I have pooped on said party for all of you. You're all welcome. Uh, my name's Topher Ossel. I'm on staff here at Orchard Hill Church overseeing elementary kids ministry. And I've been doing that for about six years now. Uh, and we are in a series called Advent, which is the season leading up to Christmas. It's our chance to prepare ourselves to celebrate the coming of Jesus. But tonight, I'm here to talk about the end of Advent, uh, the culmination of this season of waiting and preparing. Like I said, my job here at Orchard is working with kids, so obviously when the Big House team needed someone to talk about the Christmas story, they said, oh, Topher tells kids stories all the time. That's not true, that's not what they said. Um, but if we aren't careful, the story of Christmas can turn into something like a nursery rhyme in our heads. We can put it right next to the Three Bears or Hickory Dickory Dock. Uh, because when we think we know the story, we stop paying attention. And that's something that happened to me. When I sat down to write this talk, I was stumped. What do you say about the birth of Jesus? Gabriel coming to Mary is pretty neat, but everyone's heard that a million times. And Joseph trusting God's plan and staying with Mary, that's remarkable. But Ed Baker taught about that on Sunday. Then there's the nativity. There's no room at the inn and the angels and the shepherds and the swaddling clothes. But where's the pop? What's the angle? Everyone's heard this story before. Does anyone else ever feel like that when they hear the Christmas story? Anybody? He just kind of turns into white noise in your head. So before I started to write this talk, I had to figure out why I felt that way. When it comes down to it, I think it's because I don't like the beginning of stories. Or more accurately, I don't think we're conditioned to like the beginning of stories. No one wants to spend any more time with Luke on Tatooine talking about power converters in Tachi Station. We want to get past the burnt corpses of his aunt and uncle and into the stars. That's where the fun stuff happens. And no one's crying out to hear more about Harry Potter at the Dursleys, right? We're watching the movie or reading the book because we want some magic. That's the point. And wow, even though the Shire is absolutely beautiful, nobody wants Bilbo or Frodo to stay there. We want to get to the good part. So what I felt like God was telling me as I thought about this is that the Christmas story is not the beginning. I mean, it's the beginning for Jesus the man, but the story God is telling in the Bible of his rescue mission began all the way back in Genesis. The garden is the beginning. That's where the inciting incident of our story, the story of humanity, takes place. 
From there, everything that comes after is the rising and falling action of God's epic masterpiece. God choosing a people for himself in Abraham, showing his power and care through Moses, appointing a line of kings through David. On and on, the story of God is revealed in Scripture. It's not a mistake that the beginning of the section of Scripture known as the birth of Christ starts with the decree from Caesar Augustus. Israel was occupied. The people of God had lost control of the land that God had promised them, allowed to live there as long as they paid their taxes, and allowed to worship so long as their religion did not inspire them to rebellion. It's into that world which God incarnate steps. Ben mentioned last week that God had been silent for almost 400 years when the angel appeared to Zechariah. 400 years with no prophet speaking God's word to his people. A long, dark season of waiting for something, for the coming of the Messiah. See, the birth of Jesus isn't the beginning of the story. This is God's Avengers Assemble moment. His no-holds-barred, knock-down, drag-out declaration of war against sin and death. The reason that we celebrate Christmas is the same reason that we celebrate Easter, because we know that here, this silent night in Bethlehem, is the calm before the battle. The wait is over. The hero has stepped onto the battlefield. Emmanuel, God with us. that silent night when the stars turned their gaze to marvel at the earth when the heavens gathered breathless round the lowly stable when a young mother wept tears of worship falling on the baby in her arms and the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem soft as the tender beating of his heart and all was calm all was bright yet could this be the same god of abraham the conqueror of israel this baby this fragile life is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might. Could this be the same?
same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king, setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds, receiving the gifts of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. The one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts. Who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need, until all we see is him. So, with this in mind, I want to read the story of the birth of Jesus with you. We're going to jump right in at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, you can turn that to that in your Bibles. If you don't know how to get there, take about the last fourth of the Bible and just open it up, and if you should be somewhere in the New Testament. Be like Mark, Matthew, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, we're looking for Luke. If you're in Acts or Romans or anything else, like the Corinthians, you're too far. If you're in a book that sounds like it's your the sound your grandpa makes, like when he closes, clears his throat, Habakkuk, uh, then you're too far back. Let's just go ahead and jump forward. Uh, it's the book of Luke is written by a guy named Luke, yes. Uh, and this is his biography of Jesus' life. So I was going to read from my Bible, and then I found out that I have uh, an old translation of the NIV, so I'm going to read from my notes instead. Uh, here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, he, what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. There is so much happening in this story that we miss when we see it only as the beginning. Jesus enters into the world he created after an eternity of living as God outside of it. An eternity of perfection with no want or need, with angels attending him, constantly singing his praises. It's that God who chooses to diminish himself, not just to becoming a human, but to becoming a baby. Why would the God who sculpted Adam from dust do this? I think, and I could be wrong, that he did it for us. Not just to save us from our sins, he definitely did do that. But I think coming as a baby to a poor family in a tiny town with a feeding trough as his crib, he did that so that you could trust him. It's one thing for God to say that he knows all, understands all, and sees all. We can hear that, and we can still defiantly say, yeah, but you don't know what it feels like. You don't know how it feels to want or to be hungry or to be sick or scared. In Jesus, God does understand. He knows what it feels like to be a kid and to be looked down on because of his age. He knows what it feels like to be a teenager and feel that awkward transition between being a child and becoming an adult. He understands it all because he's lived his own life, and it wasn't the charmed life of a king. It started as it meant to go on, near to the poor and the downtrodden and the brokenhearted. So where does that leave us at the end of 2019, some 2,000 years removed from the story of Christmas? It leaves us with the end of the story. We have the benefit of seeing the whole picture of Scripture. We know that the stone manger could hold baby Jesus, but the stone tomb, stone tomb couldn't. We know that the hero who steps onto the battlefield as a helpless baby would conquer the grave and send us the Holy Spirit so that we could have unrestricted access to the presence and the power of God. We don't celebrate the Christmas story in a bubble just like we don't look forward to presents for the pretty wrapping paper. I remember in high school getting one of the best Christmas presents I could have ever asked for. I was 15 or 16, and I woke up on Christmas morning and went down to open presents with my family. Me and my brother tore through everything pretty quickly, and before long, we were basking in the warm, gla warm glow of the tree surrounded by shreds of wrapping paper and feeling incredibly content when my mom said, 
oh, hey, what's that on the tree? I looked up, and there was a small wrapped box halfway up the tree. My brother handed it to me, and I unwrapped the keys to my very first car. It was this beautiful, to me, uh, cherry red 2001 Ford Focus hatchback. The waves of emotions that passed over me in that moment were staggering. It felt like growing up by opening a lid. Suddenly, I had this incredible freedom to go where I wanted, when I wanted. I didn't have to beg rides from friends or from my mom. I could leave school during open lunch hour. The possibilities felt endless. And when I look back on that moment now, I don't remember what the box looked like, but I remember vividly what the car represented to me. My mom's trust, my own freedom. That's what Jesus came to bring us, freedom. So what do you need to be set free from this year? Maybe it's sin. Maybe you've never made the choice to trust Jesus with your life before, and you can feel the weight of your sin stealing joy and life from you, and you're ready to take that step for the very first time. Maybe you're feeling wrapped up or trapped in anger towards a friend or a family member, Jesus came to set you free from that. You can let go of that anger and leave it with God. Maybe it's addiction, whether it's technology or substance abuse or pornography. God wants to meet you where you are and begin breaking the chains of whatever it is that's keeping you from living the life that he wants for you, a life of abundance, a more-than-you-can-ask-or-imagine life. Whatever it is that Jesus has for you this Christmas, it's my prayer that you find joy and comfort knowing that this isn't the beginning of God's story with you. Just like Christmas isn't the beginning of Jesus' story, God has been working in your life whether you know it or not. His love for you compelled him to leave his throne, to leave perfection and enter into our broken world as a baby to grow up under the authority of other imperfect humans and to suffer horribly at the hands of his own creation, all to save you. So this Christmas, however you celebrate, wherever you are, I hope that you can see the Christmas story a little bit differently and hopefully see Jesus a little more clearly. Would you pray with me? God, Thank you for your story, for who you've revealed and proved yourself to be, for chasing us down with a relentless, reckless love, and for sending your son, for giving us a way back to you. I pray this Christmas season that we can open our eyes to what you're doing in our lives, what you're setting us free from and setting us free for. We thank you and we love you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.